Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the 4-3 Show. I am your host, Ryan Blank. I'm alongside Parker Dunn, Pat Fortuna, and Dominic Stern. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm great. Doing right. good. Pat, I just have to ask you real quick, how are you feeling about yesterday's loss? The Celtics? Yes. Don't worry about it. Celtics in five. Celtics in five. Dom, this is your cue. Lakers in foe. Lakers in foe. I don't know why, but Lakers in foe. <laughs> okay. So we have a very crowded, packed show for everyone tonight. Starting off in the NCAA, big news today came out. The Big Ten will return the weekend of October 24th and start their season. I want to just ask to see if any of you guys have anything you want to say. What are you guys' reactions to the Big Ten going against their original word and moving and postponing till spring? That's great news. That's awesome news. I mean, that 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 means everything for the future of college sports this season, right? I mean, the Big Ten is the conference you want to see play. That's the conference that when they canceled, everybody was like, no way. They were like, that can't be happening. Like, that was the first big conference to back out, right? So to see them say, well, maybe we can play, that's great news. And, and I look forward to, to seeing that happen. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. Sorry, go ahead, Dom. Go ahead. Yeah, it's great, and it, it led to a uh, swivel effect, and it seems like the Pac-12 could be coming back soon. Uh, or I assume by the next time we have a show that that will be announced. This is great yeah. for college sports. It's going to make me a little more hyped about college football. I've said several times, college football – I like it more than the NFL, but this season I just couldn't get behind it. You know, half the teams that I like to watch aren't playing. Yeah. And but now that they supposedly are coming back, I'm going to start to get into it a little bit more. Uh, all, I was so hyped for the NFL this year just because of that. But uh, now, now I'm into the NFL and college football this year. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page as Dom with the way that this season's been so tricky with scheduling and all these different conferences playing at different points throughout the year. Uh, obviously, that's the situation that's in front of all these different commissioners, depending on state guidelines and just a whole lot of crazy factors that go into it. Uh, but I think it's big because we saw Justin Fields of Ohio State try and get a some sort of petition going to find a way to get the guys out there playing in the Big Ten. This is huge, and I think that this is a lot of momentum in favor of the Pac-12, who will hopefully be able to do so because Governor Gavin Newsom said that there aren't really any particular restrictions that are preventing it as long as they're willing to do the proper protocol at practices. Yeah, this is terrific news, knowing that in my house got four Big Ten schools. So it's a lot of Big Ten. So everyone in my house is happy. I'm happy that one of the greatest college football conferences, if not the best, is returning, which is great because a lot of people were upset that the Big Ten was thinking, was postponing until spring. But as everyone mentioned, the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is watching California and Oregon very closely due to those ordinances. And they're thinking at the earliest they could have football at the end of October right around the Big Ten. Do we see this as feasible for the Pac-12? Yes. Yeah. It makes no sense for them to not play now. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, if you're seeing other conferences doing it, and if you get the go from the different uh, states that your team's playing, then there's absolutely no reason not to. However, I would like to make the point that in the Pac-12, the players were a lot more involved in the decision to postpone. So, it, I mean, the Big Ten, it felt like it was a lot more owner-based. So, 
the fact that the players played a bigger role in the cancellation or postponement of the Pac-12 season, that'll be telling uh, when the season rolls around. Yeah, I think for the Pac-12, though, they have they just made a huge partnership with Quidel Corp that, can, that they can do testing and get results in 15 minutes. So that's huge. No other conference has this, as to my knowledge. So this is huge for them. Mainly, this has been big talk with college basketball. But now with college football, I, I'm hoping that the Pac-12 can get to that point where they they feel comfortable to play in October. And even if it's like the, a couple weeks after the Big Ten, I'm happy. I just want to see ASU and the Pac-12 play before the turn of the calendar year. Yeah, but I, I don't like the 15-minute testing thing. I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, yeah, let's get the 15-minute testing. The only place I've ever seen that actually be a thing is like the $10 test at Walmart or Walgreens, so I don't, I don't know how much I trust it. Anybody else have anything to say on the new testing format? Yeah, okay. we, can, we can gloss over that. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, we will move on to college basketball. We mentioned last show that November 25th was the chosen date that had to get approved. It got approved today, and college basketball is online to start November 25th. Dom, I know you're huge with college basketball. How do you feel about this? I love it. Uh, I went on the College Basketball Bonanza show where I exclusively talk about college basketball. Do do more on here once football season ends, but over there it's exclusively college basketball. Uh, there with Nick Odell. We're, we were just like, yo, this is awesome. They have a date. They have a plan. They're ahead of the game. And they were in a better spot than college football because their start date is later. And they're going to be starting about a month, a month and a half later than they normally do. But that's perfectly fine because that's about the time where – college basketball normally picks up because that's when typically the regular season ends right around Thanksgiving, end of October, early November. So this is great for college basketball. I'm glad to be getting that back. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to see it back and running and uh, it should be fun. Pat, anything from you? Uh, go Devils. <laughs> uh, like Dom said, I'm extremely excited being from Kansas, I'm a huge KU fan. Got one of my friends on the KU team. Uh, it's exciting. I'm so glad that college basketball is happening before the start of the calendar, turn of the calendar year, excuse me. But I think you also got to watch out for the Pac-12 because right now they're one of the conferences who decide to postpone until January. This The testing and the updates with football and with basketball could end up having them move up, which is what everyone wants to see. So it's just with the Pac-12, there's a spotlight on them for both – basketball and football that's just going to be heavily watched over the next couple of weeks. I'm just yeah, chuckling I, at – oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. You go. I was, I was just chuckling at the thought of uh, Ryan standing next to his KU basketball player buddy. <laughs> he's 6'8". Six, hey. six, yeah. CB, CB's pretty good, I will admit. Uh, Shout out to Christian Brown, kind of a beast. Like, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think he's listening. But uh, one thing I will say about – uh, Pac-12 is they do have more time in regards to college basketball and missing out on the college basketball season wouldn't be a huge loss if they wait until the beginning of 2021. That would just mean that their teams won't be playing non-conference basketball, which could hurt some teams in terms of getting into the tournament. But as a term of Pac-12 basketball, it won't hurt it as much as it will for football if they don't play. Just want to get that out there. Yeah, that's a great point, Dom. So with that, let's move on to the NBA. We're going to start off with the Western Conference. The Lakers, for the second straight series, lose game one and then come back and dominate the final four games of the series 
and eliminate the Rockets in five games to advance their first Western Conference Finals since 2010. Dom, you're a Lakers fan. Let's let you start. How do you feel? Lakers in four. I said it. I said it last time. They'd win four straight. They won four straight against the Blazers. I said it this time. They'd win four straight. They won four straight against the Rockets. Now, did they win the series in four games? Well, series in games two through five, they won all four games. So we we'll, we don't need to get into that. But uh, once Anthony Davis got it going, he struggled in game one. Uh, they, they really took over. We saw, and we basically all predicted that that was going to happen. Given that the Rockets do play small ball, that's what happened. They put up a decent fight. Game five was pretty brutal to watch. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch the Lakers in the Western Conference Final. I remember uh, someone getting the NBA basketball, watching Kobe Bryant play in the Western Conference Final in the finals, and they haven't been back since. So let's see. Yeah, this comes as absolutely no surprise. The Rockets are a team that I didn't have too much faith in because they play a brand of basketball I'm not a fan of. I don't think that Mike D'Antoni is a very good coach, and I think that's the reason why they finally figured it out as an organization, and they're going to try and move on from him. Uh, and this was a matchup where the Lakers were the better team from top to bottom, and all they'd, although they don't have the guard play offensively like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they still have a much better team from top to bottom, and they play much better defense. And they just play basketball the way it's meant to be because they have a big and AD they can get the ball to, and they have LeBron and Rondo facilitating. So this came as no surprise. Uh, I expect them to continue to play very good basketball going forward. Pat, you got anything, or do you want to save up to the Eastern Conference finals? Oh, no, I'll talk. I'll make it quick, though. Uh, I think Parker's absolutely right. Mike D'Antoni is not a good coach. He's kind of a poor man, Steve Kerr. He just kind of tells his team, hey, go out there, shoot some threes. Granted, <laughs> I don't think Steve Kerr – no offense, Parker. I don't think Steve Kerr is the greatest coach either. I think he's been blessed with some great talent. Uh, but I don't think Mike D- – I don't think Mike D'Antoni was ever going to do anything with any team ever. Uh, so it was a good fire. Uh, I hope they make a really good hire. I hope they don't make another mistake with a bad coach because they have way too much talent on this. They also need a center. Let's make that very clear. The, you're never going to win a, an NBA title without a center. Yeah. So who do they have playing center? Like P.J. Tucker? It was like P.J. Eric Tucker Gordon. and Robert yep. Covington. Those were the two Covington. Yeah. yeah. Robert Covington's a shooting guard. What are you doing? <laughs> Get yourself yeah. together. Or a small, small forward, forward at best. Small see, forward like, at best. See, I like the comparison uh, with the coaches because I think that that's something the Rockets tried to model their team after. They wanted to adopt – the Warriors team, but they just did it so poorly because I feel like all they looked at was the fact that they hit a lot of three-point shots and they completely disregarded everything else because the Warriors played a brand of small ball that we've never seen before and it worked, but they took it to a whole new extreme and it just did not simply work. You know, I think that the Rockets, they made the right decision getting rid of D'Antoni. I also want to give out a shout-out to Rajon Rondo, who was huge for the Lakers throughout this series. Played terrific. Rondo. Playoff Rondo is real. I think he's going to continue to play at a high level, and they're going to need him to. They're going to need someone to try to shut down Jamal Murray. Like, they can put AD on Jokic. That might slow him down. That might slow him down because AD's a terrific defender, but they need someone to slow down Jamal Murray. And I'm, I'm thinking it's going to have to be LeBron who's going to have to guard him. Yeah, I was going to say Rajon yeah. Rondo isn't stopping Rondo is not going to be good enough to guard him. <laughs> I was going to say, no matter I what think you LeBron's think playoff Rondo is. Jamal Murray. They, they, got, they got Caruso. Uh, exactly. Caruso. 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 Caruso might be able to do it. 
Glad someone he, mentioned he, it. He, he runs God. hard. He's not the greatest player in the world, but he plays with that mentality. He's got the headband. He's like headband Dom. Uh, he, he He's just one of those guys that just gives you quality minutes. He doesn't score a ton. If I may say yeah. so, headband on. Headband on. I got the headband. Do you, want me to, do you want me to go put it on for you? Put <laughs> it on. Go go get it. You have to. But All right. We'll, we'll, we'll continue on I, as he goes. I, that. I've said it from the beginning. Lakers are going to win the title. I still completely believe that. They they dominated once after the first game. So I expect a lot from them. LeBron is a different breed in the playoffs. I full-heartedly believe that. Can so, we just talk about the WCF real quick right now while we're here? Yeah. Of okay. Course. But uh, let's get. Should well, we first? Let, we gotta we gotta talk about the Clippers yeah. advancing. Okay. Now let's get into the shocking one of the Nuggets. Was Winning this really shocking second? to anyone? Yeah, I'm not shocked. Yes. I'm I'm not shocked. I am extremely shocked. I'm not. I'll say this, dude. It's I the Clippers. Shocked. There's so it's much. The better Clippers than the Nuggets, so much though, more they're it's the better the team. Clippers. It's the I Clippers. I don't it's care what Clippers. franchise history they have. The team that they constructed this offseason was the best on paper. Yeah. The, they had the oh, game's not played on paper. Can I also say something that a lot of uh, Celtics fans would say I am sacrilegious for? Doc Rivers is not a clutch coach. Okay. He had, I think it's evident, he's now choked three 3 1 series leads. Right. So he had the Boston Celtics with a, with a starting lineup. Of Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Kendrick Perkins. And he won one NBA Finals with that team. He took them to two, but he won one. That's, I mean, that's that's absurd. And this, this Clippers team feels very reminiscent of that to me. I actually see that a lot. <laughs> very that, reminiscent. Very similar depth. Very yeah. similar in star power. And they I thought the once Conference you got Finals. to that three-one lead, I thought the Clippers were gonna take in five and then be done. I can never yeah. count the Nuggets out anymore. I don't think nobody can count out the Nuggets. They've First, won now two straight series, down three-one. And maybe they're better than we think they are. Jamal Murray and Jokic have been playing terrific basketball. Michael Porter Jr. has been great off the bench. I really like this Nuggets team. I had them against – I thought they would come back and beat the Jazz. I did not think so in this series against the Clippers, and that's what they did. I was extremely impressed. I would not completely count them out against the Lakers. Dom, I like the headband. I would. Thank you. I, you uh, can't completely count Parker, them out, said, though. They Parker, played the Clippers. You really count them out against the Clippers, and look what they, they did. They are going to take on the best finals perform, And I don't care what his record is, LeBron James – is the best finals performer that I've watched in my entire life. I what agree with you. going to do alongside Anthony Davis and one of the top defensive units in the league. A team, keep in mind, has played the likes of James Harden, Dame McCollum, and also Russell Westbrook. They've played those four guys in two series, and the guard play defensively was good enough to get them going to the next yeah. round. And they've won They've won four straight in both series, guys. Okay, so they got to lose eventually, right? No, 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 Parker. Parker, you're breaking my heart here because you know why? Sure, the Nuggets are big, big, big underdogs, right? But the Nuggets just wiped off a team with the likes of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, right? Yeah, I love what they've done. What they've done has been awesome. So they knocked off a team. So how can you count them out when they've come back? 
down 3-1 against, like you because just said, the best here, team. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why I'm going to count. Here's why. Here, here's why I'll count them out. It's because they're going up against LeBron. LeBron's going to be rested, and we've all seen when LeBron's rested in the playoffs, he's going to dominate you. And guess what? That's what he's going to do. And LeBron, I'm not saying plus, that. LeBron's also, one of the greatest playoff performers ever. He, by far, is a different breed in the playoffs. We've all seen that. I'm not saying I think the Lakers are going to win this, but I think it's going to be closer than everyone thinking Lakers in five. I think see, I think the Nuggets will steal at least two games in this season. The Nuggets have found themselves down 3-1 twice. That's not good. You're not supposed to find yourself down 3-1 to one like that. It's one thing to do it once, but a second time, that's a bit much. They've done Were it they twice ever... already in these playoffs. I literally just said that. Um, so what they've done is great. But at the end of the day, they're going to play a team that has rest and a team that is good both offensively and defensively. And they don't match up as good as, say, the Clippers would have against the Lakers team. This Lakers team is a mismatch for them because it takes Jamal Murray playing an extremely high level. Just for them to have come back in those two series, I don't expect them to be able to replicate it to the point where they're able to make the comeback should they find themselves down this series. Yeah, we're also assuming they go down 3-1. I mean that might not even happen. They might they might go game for game. Take it to game seven. I think that this series could easily go seven games. I do too. I really think that the Nuggets have shown something that you can't count them out of a series. Like, no offense, I'm gonna call you out, Parker, like Parker did against the Nuggets. Just wanna say that. But we're gonna move on to the Eastern Conference Finals now. Just don't let it become a freezing cold take. That's all I'm saying. Don't think it will. Okay. I, I don't either. I'm okay. very confident the Lakers will win the series. I, oh, I, I think obviously this is you win guys, the series too. You guys, you guys know I'm joking when I say Lakers in four, and they haven't won a series in four. But I think they're they're better at almost every single position except for point guard. You could say Jokic and uh, Jokic and uh, and Anthony Davis. They're tied at center. Out of that, the, the Lakers are they're so good. And they have the best player. They have the best player. No denying that. Yeah, the Lakers have the best player in the league. But And I think the Lakers are going to win this series. But I think it's going to be a tougher series than a lot of people saying Lakers in five. I think the Nuggets will get at least two games. But we're going to move on to the Eastern Conference. Miami took out the Bucks in five games. And then the Celtics held off the Raptors in seven after taking a 2-0 lead. And we have... Miami and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yesterday, the Celtics blew a 12-point lead going into the fourth quarter and lost in overtime. They are down 1-0 in the series. Do we see the Celtics coming back and advancing to the finals? Yeah. I mean, well, I don't, I'm not guaranteeing it, but yeah. Pat, I can, can I ask you a question? Down, yeah. You would know more than any of us here because you're a huge Celtics fan. Yeah. When can, when do you think Gordon Hayward will be back? If he comes uh, back at game, all. Game three. If he's back, it's going to be game three. If not game three, game four. But, Has he but, returned um, to the bubble? Yeah, he's back in the bubble. He's he's finished his quarantine. He's warming up with the team. It's just about when he feels 100% and ready to play. Because okay. part of why he left the bubble was, A, because he was injured, and B, his wife is pregnant. So um, he stayed out a little bit longer for that. Now he's back. He's quarantined. And he's he's just he's waiting until yeah he feels 100% ready to play. Which I think that's going to be huge for the Celtics to get him back. He's doubtful for tomorrow, uh, probable for game three. So 
Um, I, I 100% think that the Celtics have the, the ability to win the series. I think in general, they are a deeper team than the Miami Heat in general. I think we lack the star power of a player like Jimmy Butler. That's supposed to be our Kemba, and Kemba's played absolutely horribly in these playoffs. I mean, he's like two for 38 on his last like threes. Like He's really been bad in these playoffs. Uh, but I think if Jason Tatum and, and, and if we run our offense through Jalen Brown more, I, or if we, I act like I'm on the team, if they run their offense through Jalen Brown more, then they a hundred percent have the ability to win this series. We have to get our guys involved. We have to get all 12 people playing involved. We have to keep feeding Marcus smart. Cause Oh my God, he's insane. And, uh, yeah, I think we can win the series. Uh, I'll take it next. I think the way that when you have your star player not performing like Kemba Walker has been, and I'm a huge fan of Kemba. I respect Kemba so much. He's just got that cold-blooded mentality, even though he, he shocked my San Diego State Aztecs back in 2011. Never forgive him for it. Uh, when your star player is not playing well, your go-to bucket guy isn't getting buckets. It's tough to win a series. Well, well let's, make my, clear. let's make this clear. Our star player is Jason Tatum. Sure. And then Jason Tatum is also uh, – he's putting up good points, but when it comes down to clutch time, he he's just not going to the hoop, which is what he needs to be doing. He's trying to shoot some threes. Watch your mouth. I'm Don't sorry. I block, he's also though. turning the ball over would, a lot in crunch time. Yeah. That band block was insane. Time. Yeah, you do watch yeah, that. Yeah, no, that was – you can't team, do yeah. anything wrong with that. Yeah. but That was a great drive like, by Tatum, just a terrific play by Bam. At, in crunch time – as of late, the Celtics have not been doing great. And when you're playing a team that has Jimmy Butler like the Heat, they've got a couple of shooters. And I I think the Celtics are in trouble losing game one that they should have handled. Uh, I, I'd honestly, at this point, I'm going to take Heat in six. I know Pat's not going to like that. I'm sorry, Pat. Don't come over here. Uh, but I, I like the way the Heat are playing right now. They're, they're rolling through teams, and I don't think they're going to roll through the Celtics because I think the Celtics are the most complete team they've played so far. But – I think watching the Heat, they're they're more confident in themselves right now than the Celtics are. Yeah, this is a very good matchup between two very good teams. And one thing with the Celtics is they are battle-tested. They've had some very intense series. Uh, or Well, not the first round, obviously. They swept Philly. But their most recent series versus Toronto was a very good one. Back and forth action. Very entertaining. I loved watching every second of it. Uh, but with this Miami team, they've been very consistent since the playoff began. I feel like a lot of people forgot about the success that they had before the bubble. They were a team that was definitely raising eyebrows with the perfect balance between the savvy vets and the young core of guys like Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. This was a team that was just living up to expectations and kind of replicating their play once the bubble came about. Uh, that was a huge game one win. That was one where they found themselves down five with just over a minute before Hero hit that three. That was a game where that would have been really big for the Celtics to have come out with the victory on that end. I just feel like there's a lot to like with both teams, but I was telling Ryan before the series, I like Miami because I like the way they switch on defense. I feel like they communicate well and they play as a team. And where they do lack is when Jimmy Butler's maybe taking some bad shots here and there. I know he did that near the end of the game. But then he's eventually going to find a way. We saw him hit that corner three. He hit that and one layup. Uh, I feel like the way that they're going 
with the mentality that this team has right now, I see them also winning in six. This is a series that could go either way. Wouldn't surprise me if the Celtics bounce back and kind of change the dynamic. But as of right now, I really like where Miami's heading right now. So uh, I'm going to just make a couple more points real quick. This is something you will never, ever hear me say again. Okay, but I'm going to say it right here for the 4-3 exclusive, my unbiased professional opinion. And you will never hear this off the air. Eric Spolstra is a better coach than Brad Stevens. Now, I feel like that's a pretty well-known fact in general. I never thought I'd I didn't think I'd hear you say it. They're two very good coaches, but Eric, right. two of the best coaches in the league. I think I think Brad Stevens is an incredible coach with zero finals experience. I think if Brad Stevens had more playoff experience and a better playoff record, I remember it was a couple of years ago, so this isn't true anymore, but it was the Celtics' second trip to the playoffs. And it absolutely threw me for a loop to see Brad Stevens was like one in nine in the playoffs or something like that. He wasn't a great playoff coach for a while in his career. So Eric Spolster is a better coach. He makes the adjustments. He does what he has to to win. And that's how we blew that 12 point lead. So or how they blew that 12 point lead. I do it. And you get in your head right there. It happened, uh, it happened. You said, you, you said it a couple of times. Yeah, after you, you said it like four more times too. after you said yeah, it's, it gets the best of us. It gets the best because I love my team. Bleed green, baby. No, uh, I think Brad Stevens, though, has the potential to outcoach Eric Spolster in this series. If he locks his head in and if he does everything he should, if he plays all the right cards, Brad Stevens 100% has the potential to outcoach Eric Spolster and win this series. Yeah, and I think that he has to outcoach Eric Spolster to win this series. I think Eric Spolster is a big part of why. The Heat have been so good in the regular season when not a lot of people expect them to make much noise in the East and then go on and win their first two series and now they're up 1-0. And like I mentioned, they they Brad Stevens needs to find a way to get the best out of Kemba Walker and needs to find a way to also help Jason Tatum get better shots off because Jason Tatum's good enough to make the shots that he's taking. But also if Kemba Walker gets into his groove, I think that Jay, that's also going to help Jason Tatum on offense. So the, the series is over. I think it's definitely going to go six games, possibly seven. But as of right now, they definitely in the upper hand. And that's not just because they're up one nothing. And I think we can win in six. I don't even think it's necessarily just heat in six. I think the Celtics could do it in six too. Okay. I'm going to go now. Pat, I'm shocked that I heard you say that. And I'm going to get a recording of this after the show just so I can always play it. But – Dom, you said it perfectly. Brad Stevens has to outcoach Eric Spolstra to win. Both you and Pat said it. it. That's how it is. Spolstra and Stevens are two of the best coaches in the league. And I think that Eric, Eric Spolstra is better in these types of situations because he's battle-tested more. So Brad Stevens has got to be better making those adjustments to get his team to keep those leads. Because throughout the playoffs, the Celtics have blown some leads especially in the past two series. That's our specialty. Been it's been our specialty for like three yeah. years. They, they've been blowing a lot of leads, and I think that's worrisome. But the reason I'm really going to say the Celtics win this series is because I think the return of Gordon Hayward is going to be huge. But for that to be a huge catalyst, they have to win tomorrow. Well, you know what my big, my big question mark is with that? And I'll let you finish in yeah, a few course. seconds, but but you brought it up, so I want to comment on it. Yeah, of course. The biggest question mark with that is when Gordon Hayward is back, 
do we take Marcus Smart out of the starting lineup and put it back to the way it was? Absolutely or, not. I no, agree. I would not. I agree 100%. You keep Marcus Smart in the starting Which lineup one? and you make Gordon Hayward the sixth man. Marcus has been playing extremely well. He has awesome. been Marcus has the been blood huge. of this team. I mean, Marcus Smart is what's winning them games right now. Okay, I'm going to continue, but Pat, I agree. They should keep Smart in. He's been on a tear. He's been huge for them, especially in those final games against the Raptors. He was huge. Played terrific. He's been shooting the three ball very well, so I think they got to keep him in. But I think getting Gordon Hayward back is going to be huge for the Celtics. Getting him back, veteran presence, a great player. So I'm going to take the Celtics in seven. Do you guys have anything else you guys want to add about the NBA and the Eastern or Western Conference Finals? Dom, go ahead and say it. Lakers in folk. Never gets old. Never gets old, Dom. Okay, with that, let's move on to the NFL. We had a crazy week one. A lot of upsets. But before we get into those, let's go over some of the big injuries that happened over the course of week one. The first one is Marlon Mack, who is out for the rest of the year with a torn Achilles leaving the Colts running back room to be led by Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. So that's a big loss for the Colts. The biggest injury is Michael Thomas is out for a few weeks with a high ankle sprain for the Saints. Now this is where Emmanuel Sanders comes into play. But Drew Brees and the Saints will be without one of their best players and one of the top receivers in the league. Jets running back Le'Veon Bell was placed on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. I don't think there's anything else we need to say. He's been bad ever since he left Pittsburgh. Yep. Yep. The Packers O-line took a huge hit, losing offensive tackle Lane Taylor, who was out for the year. Parker, what was the exact injury again? Was it ACL? Uh, I actually don't remember the extent of what they actually diagnosed to the MRI, but what I will say is to have a season-ending injury after just week one and what was a very good offensive performance, that's going to hurt this offensive line of the Packers. Uh, that's a key loss. Anytime you lose offensive linemen, when you want to protect a guy like Aaron Rodgers, that hurts. That's a big loss for their team. Especially uh, after they lost Brian yeah. Bulaga in free agency to the Chargers. I, I don't know what their depth looks like as far as their backup right guard who's going to slide in for them. But I do know that Lane Taylor is a good offensive lineman, and uh, that's definitely going to have some sort of impact going forward. Yeah, completely. That's going to have a huge impact on that line and for Aaron Rodgers. Now we're going to move on to Cowboys linebacker. Lane Van Der Esch continues to have those health woes as he is out six to eight weeks with a broken collarbone, suffered at the beginning of week one in their Sunday night game against the Rams, and then – David Njoku of the Browns, tight end, has been placed on injured reserve as well. Gentlemen, do you guys have any injury that you guys see as glaring for any team throughout week, from, from the injuries from week one? Not really. I mean, there's, there's some big names in there, but I don't think any are going to significantly impact the outcome of a team season. Yeah. I'll take one. Lady Vanderask. Uh, this team is built on their front seven defensively, which is where you ideally want to build a defense. And him being injured, they don't have that dynamic uh, linebacking duo that they have with him and Jalen Smith. And I also think Sean Lee got hurt earlier in the game. I, I think Sean Lee's out for, I think, six weeks as well. Yeah, so that's definitely going to hurt the Cowboys' defense because their secondary is definitely not as good as the front seven. So 
that's going to hurt them, especially now that they're 0-1 because of my Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but they their defense looked good, and they're going to need it to keep performing even without Leighton Vander Esk. Yeah, without him in the in Sunday night, they still look good. They only gave up 20 points to the Rams, who have a great offense. So that was I, a, I don't know a great wide receiver. Great I don't know they if have the great wide great receivers. Offense. They have Cup and Woods, who I think are going to be great. Goff, I still think, is iffy, but – Overall, they have a – how about this? A solid offense. It's It has a ton of potential. Okay. I agree. I agree, especially in that running back room. But moving on, Mohamed Sanu, former Patriot, has been signed to a one-year deal. Don't call him a former Patriot. He's not a he's – a, he's, a, he's a former Bengal. <laughs> you really say, just call Mohamed Sanu a former Patriot? Yes. He played like I'm six games for us and had like three catches for 10 yards. Still wanted to say it. Former Patriot who was released after they gave up a second-round pick for him last year has signed a one-year deal with the San Francisco 49ers. What do you guys think about this deal for the 49ers and for Sanu? Well, he didn't play well last year. Obviously, Pat just mentioned that, and he can get more in-depth to that since he watched that team closer than any of us. Uh, But he's a guy that throughout his career can be a solid second or third option as for the 49ers they're still without Debo Samuel who's going to be on the IR he won't be eligible till is it what week three I believe yeah week, week three four. or four uh, week, week four, four is when he can become eligible week four okay so yeah week four and that's if he's even ready then because he has a Jones fracture that's one of those injuries you don't want to mess with because you can only make it worse if you get back a little bit too early uh, so they need that receiving depth that's something they're very weak at the Brandon Ayuk wide receiver, former Sun Devil. That's a guy that they're going to also have to turn to. And with Kittle, with his sprained knee, his status as of right now is unknown. He's actually going to get tested, I believe, uh, or I think he got tested today. But his status as of right now for week two is not set as to whether or not he's going to play. But he is a huge part of that passing game. That is Jimmy G's favorite target. So not having him potentially is definitely going to bring more significance to the role that Mohamed Sanu is going to have to play. And I don't know what to expect out of him. If he can kind of go back to his roots a little bit, then I think he could be a solid option and replacement for guys that are injured. Dom, Pat? I'll be pissed if he goes back to his roots. You know why? Why couldn't he go back to his roots on the Patriots? Come on now. He dropped everything last year. He did not look good. Like, he was – like, it's rare I say, like, a player is, like, bad, like, really bad. He was genuinely one of the worst receivers I've ever seen play the game of football last year. He was really, really bad. Especially given that the Patriots traded a second-round pick for him. Uh, That was was, was tough to watch. You know, it's another wide receiver. It's it's legs, it's arms, it's hands that can catch a football. That's that's what I'll say on it. That's kind of how the human body works, Tom. Thank and you, Ryan. Legs, feet, arms. You yes, know? you see, it's kind of how the body did, works. I did learn something while working at at a, as a job as a physical therapy aide this summer. I did learn how it's more how the body works. I'm proud. Uh, of you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he, he wasn't great last year, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he kind of fits that scheme. He he's not a deep threat by any means. He's not a speed threat. He's just kind of one of those guys that can yeah. do everything you know decently well. So I feel like he'll fit in. San Francisco, they're going to have to build themselves out of a one hole because Arizona and Seattle look very good. And even if yeah. the Rams perform well. Another thing. 
Sorry. Another thing is he's familiar with Shanahan's offense being that, you know, he was with him with the Falcons when he was the offensive coordinator. And I think that that could definitely help a lot. I think that this is a great signing for the 49ers because they need depth at the wide receiver position. Ayuk has not made his NFL debut. He was out last week with a hamstring injury. He didn't play and he's still dealing with that hamstring injury. Debo, you don't know when he'll return. They're hoping after week three. But like you said, Parker, that Jones fracture, that's a very sensitive injury that you have to take with a lot of precaution. And then Kittle is hurt. He has a sprained knee. Who knows his availability first? And even if he'll be at 100%, he probably won't be this week. So I think Sanu's going to play a big role, especially with guys who are injured who are trying to get healthy. So this is going to be a big – I think this will be good for them as they need help. And luckily for them, they play the New York Jets, who don't look very good, and especially defensively without Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley this year. It's definitely a good week to find out a little bit more about the San Francisco 49ers offense. The defense is going to ball out against the Jets. I, they, this is a good week to be uh, having some injuries on the offense for an offense that's already not great this year. So they're, they're going to luck out a bit. They might, they might walk into a win. Yeah, Dom, you're right. They're facing a Jets team that's just – they trade away their best player and they're just – they're on the decline even more. Adam Gase, I don't think, will be their coach at the end of the year. But we're going to move on to our breakdown of our own team's performances from week one. And, Parker, we're going to start off with you as your team was the only one that took an out. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. I'm glad that I have the spotlight. This is awesome. Uh, so yeah, they didn't play particularly well. This is a young team. They're actually the youngest offense in the league. Uh, so I wasn't going to expect fireworks from the very beginning. That just wouldn't be fair to expect that out of a second year quarterback, uh, with, uh, without his number one wide receiver having to rely on a rookie and Jerry Judy. Uh, and we saw that speaking of Jerry Judy, he had two big drops. Both would have converted big first downs and the woes on offensive side of the ball, uh, had that as a common theme. The fumble by Melvin Gordon also contributed to that. That was a bad place to do it. And this was a team that just seemed like there were so many opportunities that they could capitalize on, but they were unable to do so. I thought the defense looked fine overall. But, you know, you're seeing the loss of guys like Von Miller not being out there. The pass rush was a little bit inconsistent. They'd almost get there, but couldn't quite capitalize as well. So we saw some things from them. I think the A.J. Boye injury was huge because he got – injured uh, before the end of the first half, didn't have him for the remainder of the game uh, with his shoulder dislocation. That was a big deal. Philip Lindsay, of course, also came out of the game. It just seems like injuries are taking a toll on this team, and it seems like the common denominator and really the future of this team this season is going to rely on how guys are able to stay healthy. Dom, go right ahead. Take the floor. Uh, the Rams surprised me a little bit. Uh, we all picked against the Rams to win, and they came out with a big victory on Monday Night Football or on Sunday Night Football, excuse me. Uh, everyone after the game was, of course, time out the offensive pass interference call where there was a little bit of a push off. Jalen Ramsey, uh, he'll be getting an Oscar nomination, fitting for him that he now plays in Los Angeles. He definitely sold that call to say the least. But oh, you're uh, the Rams, dude, I, I don't want to hear it. Okay. But, I was I was gonna wait until a little bit later to talk about the oblivious, the just awful missed call on roughing the passer on Jared Goff, where I think it was Alden Smith like clubbed Jared Goff in the face and just wasn't called a penalty. 
So Cowboys fans can complain all they want about the officiating of that game and how they got screwed by a missed call at the end of the game. And you know what? You could argue they did. But Jared Goff threw a pick on a play where he was clearly roughed. And I don't, I don't need to go into that anymore. The Rams offense, they, they impressed me uh, considering how bad they were at times last year. The defense, they, they played well against what is supposed to be one of the best offenses in the league and what was the number one offense in the National Football League last year. They basically kept Dak Prescott on the ropes all game. Aaron Donald looks like the best national, the best player in the National Football League. He was an absolute monster. I think he pressured uh, – he, he had like eight or nine total pressures by himself, and he's double-teamed on almost every snap. He had that one play where he just shoved over the offensive lineman and just ran right through Zeke, and he lifted Zeke up on another play. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you watch that game and you don't think Aaron Donald is the best player in the National Football League, you're a Chiefs fan. And the Rams came out with a one nothing. Wow. Victory. I sorry. Wow. Aaron Donald impacts the game on wow. every single play that the defense wow. is out just there. Just really go up, just really target the Chiefs fans, why don't you? I, I do. Yeah, I, why not? I believe that I believe that the people who value quarterbacks to the extreme think Mahomes is better than Aaron Donald, and that's fine. But Aaron Donald impacts every play because everyone else has the game plan around him. Two or three guys are blocking him almost at a time. You know, there's some plays where Patrick Mahomes hands the ball off to Clyde Edwards-Alaire a lot, which is what ended up happening, and it worked. And you got to give credit to the Chiefs. They're they're an insane team. Aaron Donald's the best player in the NFL, and pro football focus agrees with me. We don't have to get into that right now. That's a topic for a later episode. Pat, tell us about the Patriots with their first game post-Tom Brady. Just let me get away for a second. Let's go! It's the Cam Newton era. That's how excited I am. Look. I'm going to tell a little story for our listeners at home. I have a jersey curse, okay? Every time I buy the jersey of a player, that player goes down with an injury. These guys have heard the stories. They can tell you it's uncanny. It's unbelievable how accurate it is. But I know it's not real, and I'll tell you how excited I am. I overcame my superstition to buy a brand-new, authentic, stitched Cam Newton away jersey for this year's New England Patriots. You know why? I don't wish this to happen, but what if he gets hurt? What will you do? Then I'm never buying a jersey again, Ryan, of of an active player. Of an active player, okay. Yes. So I I think we looked so good. And you know what? Something that I love that's budding. I'm not even really going to talk about the game here because we beat the Dolphins. Life goes on, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Right? I could go into all the analytics, but let me tell you something. Remember, Dom picked the Dolphins to place higher than the Patriots in the division. Oh, I know he did. Uh but anyways, I love the chemistry that's brewing between Cam Newton and Nikhil Harry. Granted, these are my two favorite Patriots currently. So there's a little bit of a bias here. But after Nikhil Harry's fumble, there was this great interview, a uh, great press conference with Cam Newton, where Cam Newton talked about how he spoke to Nikhil Harry after that. And the chemistry they have, I cannot wait until the game where Nikhil Harry explodes and I don't know if anybody here plays Madden franchise mode, but there's this thing where players go, oh, coach, get me the ball next game. And if that player gets like three touchdowns, then they get a development tree. And I can't, yep, wait, I know exactly what you're talking. I can't wait for the game where that happens to Nikhil Harry. Because you know what? If he and Cam keep building this chemistry and they get better and they get stronger and they get faster, 
then the New England Patriots will be at the top of the AFC East, my friends. Let's effing go. Wow. I don't know how to follow that up. Oh, actually, I do. Wow. I'm just going to say it. Holy moly. Chiefs kingdom, baby. It's like they're in midseason form after not even playing in the preseason. It was terrific. I said it last show, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Book it. 138 rushing yards and a touchdown. Terrific. And I just want to say this. He had 106 yards after contact. That was by himself, by those yards after contact, that was the most of any running back in the league in week one. Just want to put that out there. But I just want to talk about that offensive line that played terrific as well. Kaleche Osemele filling in for Laurent Duvernay, or Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who is out for the year. He opted out to be an orderly for COVID-19. Wow. Terrific. He made that Clyde edwards Lair touchdown run by just giving him a hole that's bigger than the size of Texas to run. It was terrific. But hold on, let's not forget about the best quarterback in the league and arguably the top player in the league, Patrick Mahomes. What What is there that I just can't say? 24-32, 211 yards, three touchdowns. Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill each have a touchdown. It's like it's like Oprah dishing out touchdowns. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. Like, oh, my gosh. They were terrific. The defense, <laughs> Why is this so funny to me? They shot John Watson. Last year, the Chiefs lost to the Texans in week five, I believe. The Texans dominated time of possession. This year, it was the opposite. Chiefs dominated time of possession. Deshaun Watson was pressured on 33% of his dropbacks. The Chiefs sacked him five times. Shout out to Chris Jones. Just got you a big payday. You act like Deshaun Watson doesn't take eight sacks a game no matter who he's playing. Like the Texans don't have one of the worst O-lines in the league. Oh, yeah, they have one of the worst O-lines in the league. That that's You can't get around that. But sack and a half for the second best interior pass rusher in the league, Chris Jones. Frank the Shark Clark, terrific. He was getting off the line as strong and as fast as he's ever been. Terrific game from him. Oh, my gosh, am I happy to have Chiefs football back. And, boy, this team is just looking good. Like, who who can stop this offense? Tell me. Tell me a team. The Ravens. The Ravens, the Bills. I can think of other teams oh, that can stop the you guys. Will they? I'm not sure. Will they? I'm not sure. You, you asked me a question. Let's, let's I answered it. You act like it's impossible. I mean, it's I not like it's it. impossible. We saw, I mean, we saw a couple of bad things happen in that game as – a uh, young defensive lineman, Colin Saunders, suffered a dislocated elbow and will be out for about a month. But after this week, uh, Mike Pinnell will be back uh, after serving a four game, uh, two-game suspension. Sorry, So he'll be back for the Ravens game. And then Charvarius Ward fractured his hand. That's not good considering that your secondary stinks. second corner is suspended for four games. So that was not, that's not good. But I don't know if Ward will even miss this week. They might just have him put a club on his hand like they did with Kendall Fuller in 2018 and have him play. And if so, he if he doesn't play, it'll just be this week and he'll return next week. So I'm not too worried about it. 
But let's go into that secondary. Legereus Sneed. Remember the name. Rookie out of Louisiana Tech. Wow. I For a fourth rounder. Sorry, I already forgot his name. What is it? Legereus Sneed. Who? Remember that name. Interception, two pass, def- two pass breakups, three tackles. Terrific game. He was huge, especially filling in for Ward once he got hurt. So watch out for this Chiefs team. This defense is better than anyone thinks. Remember, Dom, you learned that last year. Top 20 defense. That's not saying much, though. Like, you take it like Dude, a badge of honor. I live, I live so rent-free in your head. It's unbelievable. You cannot there's, stop mentioning There's one this person that, does, that lives rent-free in my head, and that's Pat. Hell what? yeah, brother. It's Pat. It's Pat. I hey, don't know why. Pat, Pat, stop cursing. Hell okay. yeah? That's not a curse. That's not cursing. I, shut up, okay? Oh, hey, you know hey you know stop cursing. I cursed. I said shut up. Wow, four three after my Chiefs talk. Listen, listen, my Chiefs talk. Well, because you brought up the Chiefs being a top twenty defense for like the one millionth time. Okay, I gave you twenty bucks. Stop talking. Anyone lives rent free in your head? In anyone's head? I live rent free in your head, buddy. No, you. I had to pay you twenty bucks, so I already paid my rent. It's not free. That's true. He's got a point. Boom. He got you there. (laughs) I will acknowledge that fact. Yeah, you. But. I just want to just say, this team looked insane. I expect more from Mahomes this week as the Chargers have a terrific run defense. They do. But I am just so thrilled. That game was not even close. When you're playing cover two the whole fourth quarter, yeah, get a couple garbage time scores. But it's Chiefs season, baby. Run it back. Run it back, baby. Run it back. And also next week we will de- I will be debuting my Chiefs Super Bowl champions flag. I'll be wearing it around around my shoulders because well, reigning Super Bowl champs. But it's great to have the Chiefs back. And I will say the one thing that I did not like about the game. I hated not seeing Dustin Colquitt punt for the Chiefs, which sucks. <laughs> oh, you can cry about it when you lost Tom Brady, buddy. Yeah, we also lost Stephen like, Gaskowski. You just but like you, you just compared Dustin Colquitt, <laughs> right? Exactly. To Tom Brady, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, we also we cut our kicker of I, twenty years. You think I'm crying? And your, your punter's got flow. I don't want to hear about it. Okay. Hey, yeah, I like Tommy Townsend. Townsend. Guy, huh? I never said I don't like Tommy. I like Kmart Trevor Lawrence. I still. <laughs> Kmart Trevor Lawrence. Four man's Trevor Lawrence. Let's move on. Let's stop time out your punter. Let's go. Okay. I'm just going to say it one last time. Chiefs are going to dominate the AFC West and the AFC. Okay, moving on. <laughs> what was that? Was that your I, stomach? I, I don't know, but I'd rather listen to that. <laughs> no, okay, it was supposed well, to okay, – I kind of it kind of got caught wrong, but it was supposed to be more like a – like a don't care, not going to, not going to happen. Don't care, won't yeah. care. Okay, let's get into – the week one pickums update. Boy, we la- compared to last year, this was a bad week one. Really bad week one. Well, week one's always tough because yeah. one, we need to see how teams are going to play on the road given the fact that there were no fans. And same vice versa, teams playing at home. And two, we're also starting to get a feel for the fan for uh, for these teams. So week week one was gonna be a struggle no matter what. So the fact that uh 
that three of the four of us got double-digit wins wasn't that bad. I, I don't know if I, I could say the same about one other person, though. Okay, zip it, buddy. Okay, <laughs> currently in last place is me at 9-7. and seven. Don't worry. The comeback is real. I'm not, I'm not getting in last. You I said managed that to get out of the last place hole last year. I was down to Sandstrom by like four games, came back. So I'm coming Dude. back again this year. You still didn't complete the comeback. And I also I also said on air this is going to be freezing cold takes, and sure enough it was. Okay. Enough of you. Okay. I only speak facts. I know it can be hard to understand. Oh, yeah, and the fact that Giannis is being traded to the Warriors, that's not a fact. Okay. I said it's possible. That's not even related to the NFL it's in any way. That it is a, it's a fact. Yeah, that's that a fact. Anything is possible, so that's a fact. Uh, okay. Moving on. Tied for second. Dom and Parker at 10 and 6. And then Pat is leading at eleven and five. Let's go. I'm not letting yeah. I'm not letting the newcomer win. I, well, here we, we gotta give credit to Pat. Power. We gotta give credit to Pat. He went solo on two games and he won both those games. And he was the only person to go solo on any on any of the games. He won both of them. He definitely should have lost the Lions game. That yeah, that was one. Catch a Ferrari down to Swift doesn't have hands. But there is no there's no asterisk next to the standing saying, "Oh, he won a game they shouldn't have." He won it. Get it credit for it. I fist bumped him after I said, nice pick. Both, yeah, good work. I'll give you credit. But well, you're not winning. Neither are you. Oh, just wait. You said this that last year. This year, come out of the wall. I came up with the punishment. I came up with the punishment. I can't do it. That's not okay, true. I, have, I actually have a, uh, an adjustment I'd like to make to the Pickham's punishment this year. I think we should factor in. Our records we predicted for each team, or is that a separate punishment? No, that that would just that, that would be so. Hey, okay. Shut up! Hey, watch it, Pat. I'll mute you. Aw. Okay, moving on. Let's get into week two pickums. First game tomorrow night. We have the Bengals at the Browns. Who do we have? Cleveland. Of Cleveland, Cincinnati. I'm going with Pat. I'm All taking right. Joe Burrow getting his first NFL win. Bengals. Boom. Okay, moving on to the Sunday matchups, we've got Atlanta at Dallas. Who do we have? Cowboys. I got the Cowboys too. I think they uh, they rebound. Atlanta's defense yeah, the Cowboys. Bad. Yeah. I've also got the Cowboys. Were you unanimous? Unanimous on the Cowboys for two straight weeks. Moving on. Denver Broncos at Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh, too many injuries. Yeah, really? I, I'm right there. Yep. See, no, I, I'm going to take Denver here. Hey, I'm honestly, thinking, hey, of all the games, I hope to God that's the one that pans See, out. This was <laughs> I, game I was hoping I could make up some ground <laughs> on y'all. This was one game because you guys are not believers in the Steelers, but I am. But I'm taking the Steelers. Next up, Rams. So I'm, I'm a solo on Denver there. Yeah, you're a solo on Denver. Okay, next game, we have the Rams in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, who choked a 17-point lead to the Washington football team. Rams, the Rams. offensive yeah. line, yeah, not protect Carson Wentz. The defensive line is the strength of the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams. This is not a game I was going to expect them to win coming into yeah. the season. I, I was projecting the Rams start off 0-3. I think they could definitely start 2-0. Yeah, I'm Rams. also going to yeah. take the Rams. I just I think fear Aaron Donald's going to have a field day. 
I fear, I fear Carson Wentz. 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 Carson Wentz. 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 Eight times week one. It wouldn't shock yeah. me yes. if Carson Wentz got hurt this game because he's made of yeah. points. Aaron Donald yeah. can have a, with a player like that in the backfield. You can't be taking hits like that yeah. with that yeah. line. Next game, Detroit travels to Green Bay and Lambeau Field to take on the Packers. Green Bay, this is going to be unanimous. Yep, Green Bay. Green Bay. Green Bay for sure. Next up, we've got the Vikings traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I'm going to start with the Colts. I think they bounced back. Minnesota's defense looked awful, and they scored a bit in garbage time. Maybe they carried that momentum over, but I'm going to take the Colts. Same for me, Colts. I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the Colts in this one. I'm taking the Vikings. I'm going to go the right, Vikings Ryan. in this one. I had I just wants to fall further into last. Yep, nope. exactly. <laughs> I make up. This Keep is on digging that hole. Okay. <laughs> I'll be digging y'all's holes when I get when I come back. Don't be digging in my hole, man. <laughs> I don't I don't want you in there, bro. <laughs> Dig your own hole. All right. Uh, okay. Nice. Next Where was next this game. flavor? Where was this flavor three weeks ago before I was on the show? Woo. I mean, oh. normally we just make fun of Ryan for his bad gambling, but like, geez. Hey, not that. We're not going to talk about that. I have my parents on this show for once, so we're not going to talk about my gambling. Yeah, they I... see their credit card bill every month. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh, yes. That. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Oh no, poor Pat. He's, he's oh, done no. for a few minutes. Okay. Oh, oh. I'll next, yeah, game, okay. next game, we've got the Giants traveling to Chicago. I'm gonna take the Giants. I thought they actually looked pretty solid in week one against a very good Pittsburgh defense. Uh I thought their offense looked like it had opportunities to win the game. They couldn't find them. And I think against a worse team like the Chicago Bears, I think they'll find a way to pull it out. Yeah. I I didn't think that I would be – actually, I thought maybe Dom would also be on board with the Giants, but I figured no one else would. But I'm going to go with them too. I just feel like the Bears, are they're just going to slip up. I think the Giants could sneak one. You know, I think Mitch Trubisky looked pretty good last week considering he's Mitch Trubisky. In the fourth quarter. In, In the, the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter. But that's all that matters. So I'm gonna. Well, you know, not all that matters. But so, it's, so when you're playing the Lions, you get a, you get a little bit. So I'm gonna take the Chicago Bears this week. I'm also gonna take the Bears. I think that defense is stop picking well. with me, guys. Hey, hey, I feel like I should pick every team that you don't. <laughs> if I can gain games on them, I'll be happy because that means I get out of last uh, place. So this is just too good. You're going to not get not get not last. Moving on. Buffalo Bills travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Bills. Yep, Buffalo. Buffalo. I'm taking the Bills and Bills Mafia. Next game, we have Tom Brady going having his first home game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Carolina Panthers travel to Tampa Bay. Back. Yeah, on my other show – I was the only person to take the Buccaneers in this game. I I hope I'm not in that way too. But Bucks. Yeah, I had a hard time with this one because Tom Brady looked really bad. I mean, he looked like end of season last year, Tom Brady. So I, I don't know, but I'm gonna take the Bucks. I, I think the Bucks are too strong to lose this game to okay. to these guys. 
So. I'm going to give Tom Brady his first win with the Buccaneers here. They take this one against the Panthers, who actually looked really good offensively. Yeah, they I did. Wanna, they looked, they I also want to call on Dom. Dom was yeah, like, no, Teddy Bridgewater can only throw five-yard screens. There's he, a 75-yard bomb yes. to I'll, Robbie Anderson. I'll, I went back and watched the ten and a half minute condensed game on on YouTube, and they their offense looked better than I expected. I I was going to point that out if we we're going to talk about games. We didn't. I will point that out. Yeah, best moment though, Robbie Anderson discussing the mascot. By okay, far. that was funny, Sir Purr. So that Dom, do that again, please. Oh my. Okay. Next up, we've got the Jaguars, who pulled off an upset over the Colts in week one. They will travel to Tennessee. I, I like what Minshew did. Honestly, what, what he's able to do with what he has around him, very impressive. Uh, so I'm slowly becoming a bigger fan of his, but I'm still going to go with Tennessee on this one. Tennessee. Jacksonville. I'm going bold here. Ooh, but yeah, I'm going bold here. I'm going bold. I'm going to go Tennessee and gain a gain up on Dom. So I, I, Tennessee. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I thought their defense handled the Colts pretty well, especially on the ground, and I think they can possibly do the same thing with Derrick Henry. They they have a lot of talent on their team. It hasn't been quite developed yet, just because it's young, uh, and the offense looked really good and it was really efficient for the limited amount of time they're on the field. Minshew is a beast. Okay, so we have we have. Dom going against everyone and taking the Jaguars. Next up, we've got the football team traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, who got an upset win over the 49ers week one. Who do we have? Cardinals moving on. 2-0 for the Cardinals. Yep, I agree. Mm -hmm. Cards. Cardinals. Next up, Chiefs travel to Los Angeles to face, on, to face off with the Chargers. I will go with Kansas City. Yeah, I I can't pick the Chargers. They they should have lost to Cincy, man. Yeah, this is this is the um, Chiefs game to lose. So easy, Chiefs. This is not going to be a close game. Okay, moving on. Baltimore travels to Houston. Who do we have in this one? Baltimore. Baltimore, Baltimore. blow them out of the water like they did last Baltimore. year. Okay. Sunday night football has the Patriots traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Who do we have? Going with the birds. I'm taking the Seahawks as well. This is going to sound horribly, horribly biased, but I think this week is a, is a statement game for the Patriots. So I think, and I think that they have a lot more to lose in this game than the Seahawks do. So I think that Jamal Adams just is going to clamp the crap out of camden hey whoa watch your mouth hey, man crossing. come on i said crap I said, hey you got mad at him for saying hell so yeah, enough exactly yeah some people, no cursing some, of our listeners, some of our listeners might find the word hell offensive okay your professionalism is not very very anyways tonight. anyways the reason i'm taking the patriots is because i think they're fired up i think they're here to make a point i think everybody knows the seahawks are going to be good so it's less of a statement game for them uh, i won't pick the patriots every week like blank pick the chiefs every week so this you know is what? this is a rare. I don't occurrence. need this. I don't need this. Kind you of picked them text. all sixteen weeks in the regular season, Ryan. All sixteen. Yeah. yeah, that's fair, but not gonna happen this year. But 
He just I'm not going to take the Seahawks. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's fair. The Seahawks are going to win Sunday Night Football. And then a very weird Monday night game. The Saints <laughs> travel to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Well, well I'll, I'll tell you why this is Monday Night Football. is because this is going to be the debut of Allegiant Stadium yeah. out in the desert. Uh, and the Saints are a high-profile team, so yeah. that's why they put this game in here. It makes uh, sense. I think the Raiders are going to put up a much better fight than people think they will. Their offense looked really good. Their their defense kind of got exposed. I thought the defense was going to be better coming into the year. I think the Saints do get it done on the road, though. It's not going to make a huge difference because I don't, you know, no full stadiums of fans. Uh, but I'm going to take the Saints. Yeah, I agree for the same reasons as Dom. I think that the Raiders are a solid team, and they definitely popped off offensively. It's just going to come down to the defense playing a little bit better. Not having to deal with Michael Thomas should help, but the Saints will still win regardless because they're the deeper team on both sides of the ball. Who, who do you have, uh, Ryan? I always go last, so it's your call here. Pat. No, who, who do you have? It's, it's going to impact my pick. He's the – dude, no. He's the host. Yeah, the he, host always goes last. Yes. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to you're gonna have to make your pick here, sir. Fine. It's I'm right. gonna, but but I know his pick is gonna or my pick is gonna impact his now. No, it's not. Okay, I'm gonna take the Raiders. Woo! There it is. There it is. There it is. I love there it. There it is. I, I, love Bold. It. Bold. I have I have them on spread in my pick em, so I don't I don't think it's too bad of a reach if I'm gonna mm-hmm. be completely honest. They, they don't have Michael Thomas and and Drew Brees didn't look that good week one. They didn't throw the ball that much though. Yeah, exactly. So Kamara's gonna get burnt out. But uh, I'm taking the Raiders this week. I'm taking the Saints. I think that this week is going to be big weeks for Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook. Then I think you're going to see even more Alvin Kamara in the passing game. So I like the Saints in this one on the road. Okay, gentlemen, we have our picks for this week. I I have some great opportunities to make up some ground here. And I have some good opportunities to either blow it or uh... – keep my lead strong yeah we'll see if picking jacksonville will come back to bite me in uh in I hope, the, rear, I hope the rear end is that professional no offense i want to see you get last yeah. after getting first last year i will have fun with that i do i want to absolutely not i will have fun i'll do it in grace i won't be lame about it like i know you would uh hey if i lose you know, i'll do it graciously but i'm not losing you know, I was on top of the pick standings the entire year last year. So, uh, I mean, there there becomes a time where someone has to step down. You can only serve two terms as president in the United States, and I might only have to serve one term on top of the four three show pick them standings. Oh, so uh, also I just want to make this clear to the audience so we have it on air. We added an addition to the punishment last yes, Sunday. Yes, we did. Uh, the – the loser, if you remember the punishment, the loser has to stand on the street corner and hold a sign saying they suck at pickums and preaching it all day in the Arizona heat. The new caveat is they have to do it in an outfit of first place's choice. It's a nice Ryan, little twist. That Ryan, is- I'm making you wear the Fernando Tatis Jr. No, I'm going to make you wear my, my adult medium Tony Gwynn. Uh, giveaway jersey with nothing on in, in between it, and you're gonna have to make sure the buttons are done the entire time. Just so no. you can think about that the entire well, year. I'm surprised you're not going to lose, Ryan. I'm surprised you're not going to No, 
No, because that jersey is actually big, and I want you to feel uncomfortable while wearing a Padres jersey. Well, here's the thing. Tony Gwynn That's, of course, is overrated. Oh, no, and God. so he says it. Yeah. Tony Gwynn is overrated. We'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 4-3 Show. Pat, we made him mad. That's the only goal by saying Tony Gwynn is overrated. So we did it. That's success for this week. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. We will be back next Wednesday to break down the NBA playoffs, the NFL Week 2, and make our pickums for Week 3. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much to the five to seven viewers that we had throughout the show who watched all the way through. We appreciate you. Thank you very much for listening. Sorry about the cursing. Have a great rest of your week, and enjoy Week 2 of NFL football. My-